Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. never been easier to get wealthy or rich and at the same time let's be honest it has never been easier to get and stay broke i believe this statement is so true but hey we're gonna have this conversation with the one and only and great anna kelly and see what she thinks about it and if she agrees or disagrees we will talk about both subjects anna welcome to the show how you doing I'm doing great. Great to be back with you after a little break in Arizona. Um, so back to the cold weather and always warms me up to be able to talk to you and share with the guests, even when we disagree sometimes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It has happened many so, times, but how about this one? Yeah. So you know what? I think I'm going to agree wholeheartedly on it's never been easier to stay broke. I'm probably going to disagree a little bit with it's never been easier to get rich and and happy to talk about why I think differently and love to hear your thoughts on that too. Because Absolutely. I think we both agree that any economy in any market, it's possible to make money and to do good deals and to find them. Um, the question is, is this the best time I've seen? I would say hands down, no, but there's still opportunity for those that want to put in the work and are looking for the opportunity and, and willing to do the hard work until they make it happen. Absolutely still possible to get rich today. Yeah. So let's talk about where we agree first and we will transition into where we disagree. And it is, um, it's just, I mean, we are an economy built on consumerism, right? When you and I yes. were, let's call it teenagers, we had to go to a store, right? A location to buy stuff. And we were really yes. limited, you know, before we were 16 by how, the ways we could get there. After 16, assuming we had cars and friends, we, we could do that. Um, but today, with this little device, you know, you could buy almost anything you want. Or you could buy, yeah, you could buy almost anything you want. Now apps have in-store ads. And it's just, it's so easy to buy something, get that dopamine hit that makes you feel better for a moment and it's you know that for all the good this device has done it's it's also done some bad it, it's made shopping frankly easier is my first kind of take yeah and you know i i think that that actually goes to both of your points in some ways if you learn how to use the devices the right way. You learn how to monetize different things that you couldn't have done before. It is definitely easier to grow a business and find different customers nationwide than what it was ever before. So from that, you know, standpoint, we're living in an era where you can it's it's about who knows you more than who you know. And so if you can get yourself out there and market and be a good marketer with all of the different, you know, apps and um social media, you know, things that we have today, it's definitely easier today, I think, to grow quickly and, and a bigger business fast. On the negative side, even though we're consuming 
customers. We're also consumers of um, things that just make us feel like we're productive, even if we're not. And there's a lot more people that are addicted to their phones. They spend hours on social media, hours watching Netflix, and therefore they are kind of lulled into this, I don't have time mindset. And I think less um, gritty and resilient to get out there and be uncomfortable to, to make it. And, and we see that in, you look at the American households and you look at savings and how much time we're, we're on, you know, distraction. And most Americans are still living check to check. They think they don't have time. They want the easy button. And therefore, they're not putting in quite as much work to get rich as I think they did when they felt like they had nothing else to do. So I, I think it's a, a you know, two-headed monster, if you will. And it's like, you know, which one are you going to pick? But yeah, I, I think that it both create gives us the ability to create more wealth and also makes life pretty easy for people to just be lazy and not be willing to do anything hard. Yeah, I think there's something else. And I really go back and, and I was, you know, because I had a, I got a job under the table when I was 11 or 12 because you couldn't work until you were 13. I got a job at 13, got a worker's permit. And you know, to work at a fast food joint and then got commissioned sales. I think I was 15 when I had that. So I had to take a bus to work. And that's really when I learned is, you know, the harder I work, the bigger my paycheck was. I learned that at 15 years old, right? I made yeah. 1% commission on tools and 3% on toolboxes and 10% on maintenance agreements. That was kind of my comp plan at 15. And the more I rang the register, the more money I made. And the reason that's important is I was a shy kid. I, I I could go a whole day and not say a word and be happy, but you throw wow. me, you know, you throw me into a, you know, selling craftsman tools at Sears and uh, shout out Valco mall that never that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, I had to talk, I had to get out from the register. I couldn't hide behind the pillar. I, you know, if I didn't sell enough, I, I could get fired. That, that'll, that'll yeah. light you up. So. Um, Absolutely. It's, it, you know, the the hunger to get out and, and kind of make that. And where I was going with my other talk about getting rich, I think it is absolutely easier today. You just got to find your thing, right? Is it all, For all the evils this device brings, it can, if used correctly, be one of the best tools ever. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I think about garage sales is just an example. When you and I were younger, Garage sales were typically single house or maybe a block. Yeah. And they had to be scheduled, you know, That's... months in advance and all of that. Today, one of the greatest things I see is young people and old people flipping stuff. Right? You can still find stuff for free if you know like like Ryan Pineda started flipping couches. You can flip furniture, right? Go to the free section of, you know, whatever, Craigslist or wherever it is, find stuff. You have to go pick it up usually. Go pick it up, clean it up sell it there there are ways but the different the the what is similar between when i was 15 being uncomfortable talking to people and today with this device flipping stuff is you gotta do the work it's not easy get off your butt make some mistakes let's just freaking go stop yes. complaining absolutely absolutely you know and I, I think, um, I, I know I'll say this quote the wrong way again, as I did before, um, but it really resonates with me in talking to my teenager. You know, it's like tough times create strong 
strong men, strong men create strong times, strong times create weak men. And it's like, we've had all these strong times. You and I growing up didn't, you know, I grew up in poverty and it's funny. You mentioned I was, I've always been a talker, so I wasn't super shy, but I needed to make money. And my mom was already working two to three jobs to make ends meet. And we got new school clothes at the beginning of the year, maybe two outfits and at Christmas. And if I wanted anything else, like, you know, kids sneakers, I'm aging myself, guest jeans, you know, the Coca-Cola jackets, the things that I wanted to wear that were way more than we can afford. I had to figure out how to make the money. Um, I sold Girl Scout cookies. I learned how to crochet and I used to go door to door to like the three or four complexes near me, walk and sell my crocheted um, hand mittens, my, my hot pads, you know. I sold candy. I'd buy it at Stop and Go for like 10 cents and sell it at school for 25 cents. I was known as the Laffy Taffy girl because I, I had to hustle to sell stuff for me to make money and have it. And I, it was like the reward of having that always gave me that, you know, if I work hard and I do things other people won't do, I'll have a little bit more money. And so I think you have to have that mindset, no matter what kind of times you have. And so it's really the mindset. Do you, are you really willing to sacrifice time, um, sacrifice what you think people think of you, you know, by what you're doing that's so different from everybody else um, and, and do hard stuff with your time in order to have a life in the future that nobody else has today and that you don't have today. And it's really that, you know, I think, I think that is the key. Are we developing people who have grit and determination and resilience, or have we had such good times in the last few years that most people are just kind of content, you know, just doing what they do, hoping that in the future, it's all going to be okay. And unfortunately, you know, I, I have family members, I'm, I'm dating myself again, I'm 49. So I don't consider myself old, but I don't consider myself as young as I wish I was. Um, but I've got relatives of all ages and clients of all ages. And by and large, most people will say, I could never do what you do. It's too hard. I don't have time. And my thing is always, you have time for what you want to make time for. You know, what What are you willing to sacrifice? And, you know, again, I've shared my story before, but we ran my husband's business. I worked full time. I had four kids. They're all involved in stuff. I made time when everybody else was sleeping. And granted, you know, you can only do that for so long before it really starts to hit you. But in those early years, especially if you're young, turn off everything social media. You know what we did, Michael? We got rid of cable. Part of it was to live below our means while we expanded our means. But I knew I could, I could, you know, binge watch HGTV and, you know, CSI and detective shows like till, you know, for three or four hours a night when I could be on my computer looking for deals. And when I got rid of cable and I didn't have a smartphone for years either, I chose a flip phone because I didn't want to be stuck on my device when I worked at my computer all day. So think about those kind of things. And to your point, if you make sacrifices and you realize I'm not going to make any excuses anymore, if you say you want to be rich, what are you doing about it? What are you getting doing to get there? And, and that's going to really determine whether you become wealthy in whatever niche it is that you are passionate about and can make money at, you know, to your point, I know people making a ton of money on Facebook marketplace and they buy and sell and buy and sell. 
my son, who's 14, has a thing for tennis shoes. So he buys them, wears them once or twice, puts little things on them, and then resells them and makes more than he paid for them sometimes. And so if you have that mindset that you want to make money, you will find out a way to do it. And if you don't, then you're going to be in that camp that always says it's impossible to make money today. Yeah. The other thing that I think if we look at our, because again, you're 49, I'm 51. Um, I'll see if you believe this or not. When I was coming up kind of uh, middle school and in high school, the mantra I was given is the only way, Michael, you are going to be successful is to go to college, get a job, bust your ass, and eventually you'll climb the corporate ladder and eventually you'll be successful. Nobody ever defined eventually or all of that, but it always felt like it would take decades. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think of that first? What do you, what do you think of that? It, like that was the only way because I was I was raised For to be sure. an employee. There was no entrepreneurs anywhere in my network. Absolutely, hundred percent. And again, you know, I grew up poor. I, I grew up in Section Eight housing, but I was in a nice area, and so we were like the project that moved into the nice area. So I went to a, a high school. Um, where most of the people, most of my friends had a lot more money than we did. And what I saw is I looked at them and I saw, okay, one was an attorney and one was a doctor and they, you know, typically went to school for a long time. And so they really pushed, you got to get good grades. And my mom even pushed that, like, you know, she had a hard life and she's like, go to school, believe in yourself, get your degree, whatever you do, get that education so that you always are in control of your finances. And in, in my mom's situation, she was a battered woman. She couldn't leave, you know, she had kids and daycare was more expensive than, you know, sticking around. It was sad, but it's a, it's a story of many, many people. And so my mind and what I was taught both in school and by my mom was, if you want a different life, you've got to get an education. And so I, I worked hard. I studied, I made straight A's. I cried if I made a B, you know, I had to be first chair in band for flute because I wanted a scholarship and I wanted to go to college and I worked hard to get my degree in three years, graduated high school early because I'm like, that has to be the path. And that is no longer the case anymore being entrepreneurs, but I still find the value in my degree. I'm thankful that I got it because showing the grit and resilience to work full-time and go to school full-time is really what got me my first really big job at Bank of America in private banking. Like I didn't have a master's degree, which they require, but they said, wow, you graduated high school early, you were teenager of the year, you won awards at your company while you went to school full-time. And it was that grit and that resilience and that determination that meant something to the big companies to say, I'm going to take a chance on you because you've shown you have what it takes to learn and to do hard things. And so, you know, I'll stop there, but but I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, what I'm talking to my own children about is, as I have one in college and I have one that's a senior and, and how this may be the right thing for some people and may not for others today. Well, that was where I was going to go next, because again, I'm trying to compare our childhood or our, I don't know, yeah, teenage years with today. And one of the things I think we are clearly seeing about college today is it is um, certainly the, you know, the creme de la creme. We've seen the disaster at Harvard and, and all these other institutions where they're kind of indoctrinating one way, just, just horrible. They've Absolutely. lost their way. We've also seen the cost yes. of university explode. I think anytime government gets involved, it only goes one way. It's it's, it's crazy expensive. We've also yes. seen 
a pushed, you know, a continued push like we had to go to school, get a good job, get and we've seen a uh the trades has just this huge vacuum of of no one there. Yes. Right? You want to make six figures, go be a plumber. You want to make six figures, go work on HVAC. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need a college yep. education. In fact, you go do one of those things for four years while your buddies are getting drunk and stoned in college, you will be a baller when they come out and they're like, I don't know what I'm doing because they don't learn anything in college. They get a couple of networks. They maybe have one or two classes that changes their lives. It's just the 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 sales job of, of college for everyone, which I got, is just wrong. It is great for some people, attorneys, dentists, lawyers, yes. or doctors, right. I mean, engineers. I get it. I believe college should be looked at as an ROI. I'm going to spend yes. four years. I'm going to spend 50 to 100 grand. What is my payback period? Just like a re cash out refi, that is college. If you're going to go in your payback period is five years or less, go nuts. If it's 40 years, Absolutely. what the hell are you doing? I mean, really, seriously. What do you think of all that? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, I talked to my kids. You've had Dane on the show. He's my oldest. He's actually starting his senior year. Um, he's a semester wow. ahead for his Already? finance degree. Wow. And can you believe it? So he's he's got, I think, 30 hours left. He, he might have to go another semester because there's a capstone class that's only offered one time a year. But, mm. you know, he when we had this conversation before, he said, Mom, I don't want to go to college. I want to do what you do. I want to syndicate big funds and um, you can teach me everything I know. You know, I coach and I've, I've done it all. And to some extent, he was right. I could teach him everything I know. There's there's value I still find in college for certain things and for certain kids. And one of the things that um, I know just as an as an accredited investor and because I have accredited investors and I've worked with ultra wealthy clients for pretty much my whole career. Um, in one capacity or another, is that before someone's going to hand a young kid $100,000, a million dollars, they want to know that that kid's smart and can handle their, their business and handle their funds. And so if you want to be in, the, in a world like that, um, I think I told Dane, having a degree, even if it's management, finance, accounting, whatever it is, can show that, number one, you had the wherewithal to go get it. Number two, you did learn something about finance and you're not just riding your parents' coattails. You know, there's this whole backlash again. I, I don't remember what they call them, but, you know, kids that basically got famous just because ne of their, their yeah. parents, right? Nepotism, yeah. Yeah, nepo babies. That's right. And so, you know, the other thing is maturity, especially for a, a young man, you know, that comes out 18. They they think they know everything. Yeah, um, dude, we're, we're bulletproof. You know, they, they're going to take as know much risk as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Invincible. Can't make mistakes. You know, no big deal. I, I thought for my own son, it was valuable for him to move away from us, have to make decisions on his own, build a network and learn how to communicate. And you said something to him. You said, get go to speech class. It's the best oh. thing you can do because you learn how to speak. You can learn how to communicate, sell things, et cetera. And, you know, he really listened to that. And, and really wealth and developing wealth is about being able to network, about relationships, about being to able to tell people why they should work with you. And so, you know, for, for Dane, what we did is we kind of had this compromise and I gave him choices. And I said, listen, a six figure school, four year degree, that's going to cost you 
100 to 125,000 at any school, Penn State, Liberty University, et cetera. It's not going to be worth $100,000. It's just not. And I'm in a place where I'm willing and able to pay for his schooling. But I said, I'm going to give you a choice. You can go to Pensacola Christian. That's where my son goes to school. Um, and it is going to cost me about $40,000, Michael, for four years. It's fully accredited. The reason that they're, the school is inexpensive is because they also own a lot of Christian publisher book, uh, book publishers for school and homeschool. All the profits go back to the college to keep college affordable for families. And so I said, you can go get a finance degree in a very good accredited school. And the difference, 50 to 60,000, because they have go three years, get your fourth for free. Other than oh, room wow. board, it's it's crazy. And I said, if you go there, the fifty or sixty thousand more I would have paid to send you to Liberty or Penn State, I will gift you the down payment on a very nice four unit, and that way you come out of school with a four year degree, and you mm. now can live for free, have tenants pay your expenses, your your mortgage, your taxes, your insurance, and now you have time to go out into the world in real estate or anything else intern for free, right? Whatever you need to yeah. do while you're, while you're building your real estate portfolio, you now live below your means and you have your degree. And to me, that was like the best case scenario of both to get what, what is valuable out of college, have the piece of paper, the network, the, the maturity, and then have, you know, the real estate that's really going to give him a better ROI in time than probably the degree. And that's what he chose. And I was so thankful and proud that he chose that because I always preach to him the power of passive income and that, you know, I, I will say this having children and I was a little bit different. I was a little odd for most of my friends. I'm like, I was driven. I knew what I wanted. I was going to make a lot of money. Um, you know, I didn't have downtime. It was like, you know, always go, 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 go. Um, kids now today, I find that it's it's crazy to make kids at 18 decide what do you want to do the rest of your life? What are you going to like the rest of your life? And go get six figures in debt to, to get the degree before you even know if you're going to like it so called geeky guy and i think it would be really valuable to to the listeners and essentially it says what should you do with your life what kind of career should you have and it's like this venn diagram of you know what are you passionate about what are you good at what does the world need and what will the world pay you to give them? And if you can explore what you're good at and what you're passionate about, what you're passionate about is kind of ingrained sometimes, but you can you can explore and learn and listen and grow like we've had to. But if you can basically have that mindset of, I'm not just going to go get a degree because it's something that can pay me a lot of money. If you don't love it, you're going to hate it and be burnt out. Or I'm going to get a degree because I've always wanted a doctor and you find out you have of half a million dollars in debt, and you're never going to be able to pay it off. Like, that's not a good decision. So, you know, I think kids need time to explore some, you know, it's big around here, taking a gap year and, and interning and finding what you're passionate about, trying different things before you get a degree. Those are the kind of things that I think are really important. And in fact, my daughter, um, she wants to go into mission mission work, working with kids, either in ministry or, you know, working in a, a school for underprivileged kids. And she's never going to make a lot of money doing that, Michael. She's just not, you know, and her degree would be just as much as Dane's finance degree in a public school. So we've had the same, you know, discussion. If you go, you know, to PCC, um, I'll gift you the down payment on your first property. We'll start helping you build that rental portfolio 
because you're never going to make money doing what you're passionate about, but you love it and it's what you want to do. So let's teach you to build this passive income on the side so that you can do whatever you want to do without regard to the money. If you did, if you went to be a, a foreign aid worker and made nothing in a year, you've got more coming in in your passive income and you'll ever your job. That's the key for us. But she's probably taking a gap year to go work in a, in a ministry and a mission before she goes to get that early childhood education degree so she can teach potentially. Um, but we're working on the real estate at the same time. So I think it's important to teach our kids to be entrepreneurs or at least investors, right? And there's a different definition of what's an entrepreneur. But for me, I just said, I don't, I don't need to run a business. I've already been there, done that. I don't like the solopreneur thing. Um, yeah. It's hard, right? I've been an entrepreneur and have hundreds of, you know, employees with large multifamily apartment buildings, um, you know, coaching, solopreneur, like I've done it all, employee, but at least if, even if you don't want to build biz, big businesses and you're not entre entrepreneurial driven and minded the way you and I really are, um, mm -hmm. you can always be an investor. You can always build passive income and let somebody else run it for you if that's not your thing. But I think everyone should have passive income. That's why we do this show. Everyone should own real estate, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. And it makes the decision about college less urgent and, and less, I got to push you into going into debt at a young age when you have no idea who you mm -hmm. are and what you want in life because you haven't experienced it yet. Um, and if you had to choose one or the other, I'd say- you know, live at home a little longer, get yourself a four unit property with almost no money down FHA, you know, where you want to live and go explore who you are, work some lower paying jobs, internship, whatever, and, and start building passive income while you figure out who you are. And it gives you a little time to figure that out before you go to college, if that's the right thing for you. Yeah. When I really think of this conversation, it really comes down to, in my opinion, why is everybody broke? And you just talked about housing. And again, I know your story and, and, you know, something you shared probably a couple of years ago was the best financial move you ever made. And you've made plenty of spectacular moves, but the best one was selling the big house in Texas. You then moved in with your in-laws, which I'm sure wasn't fun. Um, but two babies, but two babies, two, yeah, two babies. And then you moved into a fourplex in Pennsylvania upstairs with two babies. Yes. Nobody wants it, to make it sacrifices. It took a lot for me to sell that. You know, it took a lot for us to sell that house and start over and humble ourselves and say, you know, where are you living? We're living with my in-laws, you know, in our thirties, two kids, you know, yeah, like, it, you know, know in you, your it 30s, doesn't sound real attractive, right? Your thirties. I mean, yeah, this is absolutely. not a 24 year old or absolutely. 20 thirties. You're going backwards on it. What are you doing? Oh my gosh. I can't. Yes, you can. Absolutely. You can't do it. Apps. And it's the best thing we ever did. Right. And again, this was in 2007, hide at the economy. We thought things were just going to keep booming. And we're like, Let's live with our in-laws while we build a practice because we knew we were going to go in a lot of debt for the practice. I mean, it took a lot of time. And, and we also bought a building instead of leasing space that had tenants. So that decision collectively together, like live below our means, have some tenants bring in extra income while we built the business. And then we moved in 
in the four unit. And I remember literally, I'm going to sound like a really old person, you know, your grandparents like suck it up. I walked two miles in the snow to school. Right. I said to my husband, I, I have to have a garage and I won't shovel snow. And then I'll move to Pennsylvania from Texas. Well, I had no garage. I had to walk up the back steps with a holding my three-year-old's hand, the other one in a carrier in the snow tenants, you know, I need you. I need you. I need you. And I didn't like it. It wasn't fun. But it was the best decision we ever made, um, best hands down, because we truly lived for free while our tenants paid for our main living expenses so that when the great financial crisis hit um, and my 401k disappeared and AIG was going under and I was told every week you're going to lose your job, I thought at least we have enough money for food over our heads. And I found out that week, you know, during the GFC that I was pregnant with baby number three. And I was like, I'm going to buy another four unit. I'll have a thousand dollars more a month. It'll pay for diapers and formula or whatever we need. Um, and, and I had that peace that I was going to be okay, even though everything around me was collapsing. So mm -hmm. it's why I'm so passionate to tell people whatever you decide to do in life if real estate's it or not get some real estate and build passive income and if it's not real estate that you want to do you know there's other businesses you can start but you cannot get ahead and i i see these posts on social media they drive me nuts when everyone says Quit thinking you can save your way to wealth. You don't need to live below your means. You don't need to give up the coffee, the Starbucks, the whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to do both. You have to do both because you're never going to have the extra money to invest if you aren't good with your finances and you can't delay satisfaction for a while. To me, a big sign of maturity is the ability to delay gratification and say, I, you know, for me, I had a two Starbucks a day habit. I realized I was spending eight to 10 bucks a day seven days a week for a year. It was almost $3,000 on coffee, right? But I didn't invest. And I was telling wealthy people how to invest their money. So I was like, okay, I got to cut back cable, coffee, whatever. Get a good coffee maker. I went to Starbucks once a day. And then I, you know, once a day, pretty much seven days a week instead of twice. But if I hadn't made those cutbacks and learned to delay gratification, to save money, live below my means while I work to expand my means, I never would have been able to expand my means fast enough because my lifestyle and 70% of Americans plus, I think it's 74% last time I checked, live check to check to check, no matter how much money you make. This is people that are poor. This is people that make $300,000 a year and have less than $4,000 saved. You cannot tell me that you that it, you don't have to cut your expenses. The reason they're not investing, Michael, is because they're not cutting their expenses and living below their means. So I will yeah. preach that till the cows come home. Live below your means while you work to expand your means. You have to do both. And it's it's fairly easy to do that today. People just don't want to make those sacrifices. It's hard, Anna. It's hard. Your friends and family might make fun of you. Yeah. It's just but choose your yeah. hard, Michael. Life is yeah. hard. Work is hard. is hard. Corporate careers are hard. Like, yeah. you know, you yeah. choose your hard and anything is going to be hard at first. It's going to feel awkward. You're, you're going to doubt yourself. You're not going to know what you're doing. You're going to make some mistakes. But, you know, we get better when things are hard. That's where character and yeah. grit and resilience are built is by things being hard. Yeah, I think there's just a cut. I mean, when I think of the system that's been operating. It's, it's, it's obvious why most people are broke and a few go from broke to rich. It's, it's, it's a couple of key choices, right? You, you went down from the big house to, to living with family to a fourplex upstairs shoveling snow. 
And you, you basically took your second largest expense with the largest one being taxes and said, Oh, I zeroed out that line item. And now, you know, you can, you can save money and, and start to build from there. I, the one thing that I wish more people understood is discretionary income, disposable income. Yes. Yes. Everybody knows, most people know what they make. Most people realize that taxes come out so they have a net number, but that's kind of where the education stops. And unfortunately, right. it ain't over. You have your set of expenses every month. And the only number that, the only number we're playing with, the only number we're living on is the disposable or discretionary income. It's, yes. it's, we need we we need to that needs to be in high school. We need to be talking about that in high school, uh, because that changes the game. If if we focus on discretionary income, and then we focus on growing that, and we focus on saving that and investing that, the entire system changes. But right now, it's hey, what are you making? What's the net? Let's go shopping. Let's take out the credit card. Let's do buy now, buy now, pay later. Exploded over the holidays. This freaking this. It's, drives me crazy. Absolutely. And, you know, along the same lines, I just, I, I just read a stat the other day. Um, I, it was on something I was listening to that despite rates being high, there's been a boom in refis recently at yeah. higher rates. Why? People are tapped out. They have no money. Their credit cards are maxed. They don't have any savings left. Right. And this is a, it's the problem of living in a consumer society. That's like, let's make the decision now. We blame the government for kicking the can down the road in debt, but most households do the exact same exact thing, Michael, same with thing. our own personal finances. Yeah. Let's go in debt. We'll figure out how to pay off, pay it off later. And then they don't, and it spirals. And so again, it's that maturity being a sign of being being able to delay gratification and choose what you do and and think about how you spend your money, right? So um, there's a book that I read that I really love and I recommend pretty often. It's called Life and Air. And it talks to you about have being a millionaire of life, whether you're a millionaire rich or not. Um, but it talks about, you know, thinking about where you're spending your money. You know, how much do you have left? Like, can I really afford that boat that I'm going to take out two times a year? You know, someone goes to buy a new boat, $120,000, $140,000 for a new boat or more. They use it a couple times. They start living check to check and they realize I can't make the boat payment. And then it depreciates and they can't sell it, right? But people think if I if I want to feel like I've arrived, I got to buy the new house, buy the new boat, whatever. Instead, if you can't afford it and you haven't, you don't have enough money to pay cash, why don't you go down to the marina for the weekend and rent a boat? Rent it and have the experience of living like a boat owner without having the debt that it costs to go into debt to have it when you might not have it that often. So we make these decisions every day to buy stuff. Um, maybe go to Stitch Fitch, Stitch Fix, you know, and get the nice outfit, rent it and send it back rather than going out and, you know, racking up debt at Nordstrom. So we have a consumer problem. We're consumers and we're not producers. And, and that is proven through GDP nationwide. Um, check to check and all of that. So we, we've got to think about how much do we have left? And then once you know how much you have left, you have to make different decisions about 
what you spend money on that's going to lower that cash flow, that discretionary income. And I'll just say this, you know, I started playing the cash flow game a few years ago with my little ones and I had to pay them. I'm like, whoever wins, I will pay you if you stay in this, if you win and if you stay in the game, because it was so hard for a kid to first wrap their heads around. But Michael, when my son was home from college and, and my daughter, the one that's graduating, that's been like, I don't like real estate, but talking to me about real estate, I'm not going to do real estate. I'm going to do mission work. She wanted to play all weekend long. We paid like four marathon days of cash flow while they were home and they're getting it, Michael, because it talks, you have a, a personal financial state. Statement. This is your salary. It doesn't change. Here's your expenses. You can pay off loans to lower your expenses. If you have a kid, you have to add to your monthly expenses and they start crying when they have to lower their cash flow. <laughs> and then you have to make good decisions like, are you going to buy that doodad or not? Are you going to pay off that loan or not? Are you going to buy stock or buy real estate or not? And it's these kind of games that, you know, whatever you think about Kiyosaki, like the game is brilliant and it talks to you about tracking your net worth. And, and so, you know, it's just such a cool educational tool that now my kids get it. So now when I talk to them about when you get paid, you need to, you know, give some to the Lord, you need to save some. And then you, you know, you can set aside 20% and you can spend 80. Well, they used to, oh, oh. and now I'm like, what's your budget? What's your balance sheet? How much do you have left? And and they're, they're getting it. So it's so yeah. important to educate people. And most adults don't even understand or really have a budget or, or stick to it. Yeah. It's actually funny you bring up cash flow game. If people go to my website, one rental at a time.com, it's, it, it, there's actually a recommendations page and it's absolutely on there. I think there's so much in that yeah. cash flow game that's just eye opening. And you, I'll see if you agree with this. I think, because how should I say this? I can predict the winner of cash flow game with the first choice, the first draw. And if you don't know the game, the first thing you do is you, you pick a career. And here's the deal. You pull the doctor or lawyer card and I pull the police officer, I will beat you 90% of the time. There are some times where the cards or the, the cards may go one way and the doctor wins, but I'll crush yeah. you nine out of 10. What do you think? Because their expenses are such a larger percentage of their, their salary, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's expenses, but if you know the cash flow game, it just takes that much longer to replace the big income. That's the, the goal to financial freedom is have cash flow exceed expenses. And if you're a doctor, you got wacky yes. expenses. And if you're a teacher, you got very low ones. I will crush you. Yeah, I won as a teacher the other night. I had a low salary and I won because my expenses were low. And so I had to replace my expenses with less passive income. Exactly. So if you can learn to live below your means, having that cash flow and invest in things that are going to just, you know, move the needle, $200 a month, $300 a month, and do it times, you know, a property a year, which is very possible for anybody in a few years, your passive income is greater than your expenses. And then, you know, you can decide whether you keep your job or whether you don't, yeah. but it it's, again, it's just as much about cutting your expenses as it is increasing your passive income so that your net discretionary income is better and better. And that's why we do one rental at a time. It's exactly that. So no matter who you are, whether you want to go to college or not, um, it's possible to become financially free, no matter what 
career you choose, whether you go to college or not. It's about, you know, living below your means and expanding your means with that passive income. And from that perspective, it's definitely easier for us today than, you know, decades ago to build that passive income and that wealth because there's so many good loan programs. There's it's private money and hard today, money. So Anna, from that standpoint. It's easier today. It's easier yeah. today. I it's, it that's, I don't think it's the easiest, oh. not the easiest, but easier okay, than okay. only because you know what? There there's times in the like right now prices and interest rates are high, so it, it's not easy to find them. Like you know, there's ten deals on the streets. It's you got to find it. You got to do the work. You, you got to put in a little more time to find those deals that are gonna gonna yeah. work for you. But there's so many ways to do real estate. So many other people's money sources, whether it be banks or private or hard money lenders, that not having money is no longer the issue. If for me, when I started, I didn't have money. Deals were plentiful and I didn't know how to get the money. And it was hard because we had a recession, um, you know, partway through my growth. Now it's like, OK, I know where I can get money from many, many sources. So you could have no money and create wealth very quickly using other people's money. And that is a blessing of today's era that we didn't have even, you know, 15, 20 years ago, readily available. Yeah. So one of the things I'm doing on my channel now is I created a brand new playlist January 1st called New Investors, right? A lot of my millionaires like yourself have 5, 10, 15, 20 years experience. So I created a whole new playlist with three years or less was the goal. And the reason I bring this playlist up is one of my guests couldn't live on two grand a month. He house hacks, right? So again, wax the living expense. So Food, entertainment, car, insurance, everything else is less than two grand. I want to ask you, Anna, let's just assume that was you. How many different ways could you generate 2000 bucks in net passive income if I gave you three or four years to do it? I mean, a lot, a lot, right? I mean, that's yes. where it comes down to is making those choices, doing the work, of course. There's folks, there's no easy button in life. Choose your heart. But right. change your attitude. Absolutely. There are so many people that are absolutely before they even start. It's just wild. A absolutely. Absolutely. There, there are so many ways to make money in real estate. And here's the key, though. If you want to make money for the long term, no matter what happens in economies, buy properties and hold them. Be a landlord. Don't be a wholesaler, flipper. You know, you're going to have good times and bad in anything. But the key is having properties that you own and control that continue to bring you an income no matter what the economy does, right? So again, lots of different ways to do it. But, you know, we flipped houses. I mean, I don't anymore, but we flipped houses to get chunks of cash in order to put them down as down payments on rental property. And so, you know, find whatever niche you, you can surround yourself with other people in a network locally where you be, can become an expert at what you do. And whatever you make doing it, Put that extra into buying yourself, you know, rental properties, but so many different ways. I, I know wholesalers, flippers, single family owners, multifamily owners, self-storage owners, um, guys that just get on the phone and do, you know, uh, sales calls, you know, for other people in real estate and take their commissions and buy real estate. Property managers that take their um, bonuses and they buy real estate. Like there's so many ways to do it in real estate and there's so many ways to do it outside of real estate as well. To your point about the internet, being able to sell stuff. There's so many ways to make, like, if you set your life up to live on two grand a month, again, you're obviously getting your housing costs taken care of via house hacking. You could flip couches. You could, you could do yeah. Etsy stores. You could, 
There's yeah. so many ways because of this device that you could be a solopreneur and make 24 grand a year. That's all two grand is a month. It's $24,000 a year. It Absolutely. is possible. And I, I don't know if you remember, I did a lesson with my son and I screen printed it and we figured out what do you need to be financially free? Once he has the fourplex, he needs $2,000 a month, $2,000 a month, gas, insurance, food, you know, phone, cable. I mean, that's like living pretty decently because you're living below your means and house hacking. Like it doesn't take much to do that. You know? So he'll graduate. He'll be 21, 22, something like that. He'll be, yeah, he'll be just before he turns 22. So I'm going to put it out there that assuming he keeps the two grand, right? We all know lifestyle sometimes expand, but let's just assume he stays yeah. to the two grand. He could be financially free by 25, 20 freaking five. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And he already does things to make passive income. You know, he helps with a vacation rental. He trades, you know, stocks and and different things. So, you know, he's got the mindset of an entrepreneur of these are different ways that I can make money. And if if I can, you know, if he gets out with his degree, um, no matter what he chooses to do, that that mindset of I'm going to live below my means and I'm going to be financially free and not go into a ton of debt, you know, to make money. Um, that's that's going to give him success, you know, that I'm I'm confident and thankful that he's at least listened to that part of our, you know, advice, because the bottom line is most kids don't want to listen to their parents. I'm thankful that mine has come around, you know, after the I, I'm doing it all on my own, then it's like, OK, mom, you're, you're you've gotten a lot smarter in the last three years. So tell, <laughs> tell me what to do. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think if we can if we can reframe how much money we need to be financially free and not go into so much debt for a degree for that thing, I, I I'll share this. My husband and I, um, when he came out of school, uh, out of chiropractic college, he had one hundred and almost one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars in chiropractic school debt that, that he borrowed money for and didn't pay. Um, didn't pay while he was in school. So they were deferred till he graduated. It took us, Michael, seven years to pay off that loan because they were locked in at eight and a quarter. People Ooh. complain about rates today. That was good then, right? So it took us seven years to live, you know, but we had a house, we had two car payments, we had everything, you know, all the things that we shouldn't have done. And the school loan took us seven years to pay it off. I just saw a post in a group um I think it was yesterday or the day before someone graduating from the same chiropractic college $400,000 in school loans and they're like what do we do how do we get started how do we wipe this out and it was it was so sad to me somebody said well you can work for 10 pay it off for 10 years and then if you don't start a nonprofit and donate your time for the next 10 then in 20 years you'll have it for the rest forgiven but this is like that degree that that cost us seven years of getting ahead is now going to cost some of these people 20 years of their life just to pay it off and I just, I just, oh, my heart broke. I thought if I could have just gotten a hold of you, you know, seven years ago before you chose that degree, yeah. um, this is what people are dealing with. And this is, you know, why people are so strapped with school debt. So don't yeah, go no, rush it's... out to get an expensive degree if you don't know the ROI and you don't have a way to pull it off because you may have the clout of that job, but you're going to, you're going to have to live below your means for oh. sometimes decades versus going to school and being a teacher and house hacking and making $30,000, $50,000 a year and being financially free. 
there's a trade-off there. So oh, more salary doesn't necessarily equate to a better yeah. life if it takes a lot of debt to get you that degree. So just be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful. Again, I think the last thing I want to close on, this has been such a fun conversation, is the individual's mindset. Yes. What you believe, probably true for you. If you believe it's hard, you believe it's impossible, for you, it will be. If you believe it's- Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe it is possible and there are things you could do. Guess what? Probably is. And as we've talked for this Absolute. roughly hour, there were so many little choices, education, house hacking, live below your means, just knowing about discretionary income. At the end of the day, I think people's habits will make them broke or make them rich. What do you think of that? Absolutely. It's mindset and habits, like you said, and, and your habits are a, an indicator of your mindset. You know, what you think creates value for your life, what you think is going to make you happy. And I can tell you being broke doesn't make you happy. It just no. doesn't. No. Wealthy doesn't necessarily make you happy either, but it makes things easier, faster, right? And so if we can get in the habit of, of doing hard things and believing that we can, believing that it's possible, getting out of the negativity doom loom, do, uh, doom, loop, doom loop, you know, that yeah. we have in the media and the news cycle. And especially this next year, Michael, oh. as we start to get into another political season, it's already started just in the primaries, like turn it off. Maybe you check the new, you know, I check my phone and I'll look at you know, Google, NPR, CNN, Fox News, and it's like different worlds, the news they report. See if there's a big headline that's going to impact you. Look at financial news instead of political news, right? To get your mindset into what's possible and how can I create prosperity for myself, no matter what else is going on in the world. But that mindset and what you feed yourself with, you know, we are what we listen to and what we consume is going to drive the habits and the choices that you make um, and your belief about money and your belief about your ability to create and maintain wealth, um, your belief in yourself and your your desire and ability to grow. If you are just feeding yourself with the economy is failing, the government's failing, we're toast, there's no hope, you're going to believe there's no hope for you and your habits are going to reflect that. And so you know, tune off all the negativity, consume information that's going to make you smarter and wiser and more hopeful, and then take a leap of faith every day, make a choice that, you know, some, some people you are working two, two or three jobs and you have kids, you know, and I've been there. It may be that one day, all you can do is just look at your email alerts for new deals that popped up on MLS and you just click on it and do a quick and dirty in the back of the napkin. That could take you the same 20 minutes or 30 minutes that watching an episode of, you know, your favorite show could take you. So it may only be one thing a day that you do. And if it's one thing a day, it should be deal review. Look at new deals, do the yeah. back of the napkin, see if something makes sense. Because then you're like, okay, I see deals, there's hope, you know, but but take action every day um, and sur surround your yourself with positive people that are doing what you want to do. Um, and, and then do the work, you know, use your, we have these devices, as you said, you know, you can't see mine because of my background, but I live on my Google calendar. Like I make time, I make an appointment for everything that's important to me. So I have deal review twice a day on my phone. And it's like, now is the time to look at your deals every single day, even though I've been doing deals forever and ever and ever, if it's not on my phone, I'm distracted by other things and I'm not doing the work. So put on your calendar 
the steps and, you know, two or three main steps a, a day, or some things might be every couple of days. It might just be weekends for you, whatever it is, but schedule it and then, you know, be committed to, to the reminder of what you told yourself it's, it, it is important to you. Yeah. Anna, this has been amazing. Thank you for having this conversation. I do think it comes down to mindset and habits and whatever you believe or are doing. It will be the reality. And of course, choose your hard was a great quote as well. Where can people find you? Great. You can find me here every week on your show and on my Kelly Mom and for real estate coaching and consulting and deal review. You can find me at AnnaKellyInvesting.com. Thank you so much.